Nobody walks out of church humming the sermon. That is what is so significant about the songs we sing to the Lord. And if you're like me, it's often the hymns of the church that have resonated most over the years. And that's exactly what best-selling author and pastor Robert Morgan is going to talk with me about in a few minutes here on the Great Stories podcast. Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and thank you for tuning in to what I believe is a conversation that will strengthen your walk with the Lord. Robert Morgan pastored in Nashville for over 40 years, and he's written several popular books, including Red Sea Rules, and then, Then Sings My Soul, both of which are available at haventoday.org. Well, now in these minutes together, we're using the latter, Then Sings My Soul, as a springboard into our conversation on the most significant hymns of the church, the story behind how they were written, and the impact they continue to have in our hearts today. It's a fascinating discussion that I hope will minister to your heart as we learn more about the hymns we sing each Sunday. And now, as we're starting, let's listen to one of my favorite hymns, sung for us by the California Baptist University Choir and Orchestra, All the Way. My Savior leads. This is Haven Today, and that was a favorite hymn of mine called All the Way My Savior Leads. And I want to welcome back to the program Robert Morgan from Nashville. Rob, a pastor, a best-selling author, thanks for joining me again here on Haven Today. You're welcome, Charles. Always a pleasure. And that hymn we just heard is not only one of my favorites, it's one of yours as well, isn't it? Well, it is. It was written by Fanny Crosby. And she wrote so many great hymns, such as To God Be the Glory and Blessed Assurance. But of all of her songs, this is my favorite. And I've been reading in Deuteronomy for my devotions. And Moses told the Israelites, do not forget all of the way that the Lord led you through this wilderness. And it reminded me of that song, the Lord leads us all the way when we let him have our lives. And I've known that song from my college days, and it's just a testimony of mine. It's a song of testimony. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? So nice to hear. And I should ask you about your best-selling book called Then Sings My Soul. Why in the world did you decide to write a book on the history of hymns? Well, I've always loved um, singing the songs in church that we sing. They're, they're very meaningful. There's the, uh, the classic hymns that come to us from German sources, such as A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and British sources, such as Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then from about 100 or so years ago, there are the gospel songs by people like Fanny Crosby and Philip Bliss, And then more recently, we have contemporary Christian music. All of that 
has some good elements in it, but it's the hymns and the gospel songs that we sing over the course of a lifetime. Most of more modern music we sing for a few months and then it's gone. But the great classic hymns we sing when we're five years old, when we're 10, when we're 20, when we're 30, when we're 40, when we're 50. And by the time we get to be an old age, we have internalized those songs. We are worshipers from the inside out because we know the words to hymns that we can sing at a a moment's notice when we go for a walk or when we're troubled or when we wake up in the morning. And the stories behind some of these hymns are just gripping stories. They are sweet, they are tender, they are sometimes heartbreaking, they are sometimes uplifting, but I found them very fascinating. And when you combine the stories with the hymns, then you have got just a very powerful resource of encouragement. So when I wrote Thin Sings My Soul, and we have three volumes of that out, book one, book two, and book three, I, I don't know, Charles, it just took off. It's, it's like people wanted to preserve the memory of the hymns and how they came to be written. Yes. Let's go back to that famous hymn by Fanny Crosby that we opened with. She really was a remarkable person. I don't know that many of our listeners know of her story. Would you mind, Rob, sharing with us a little bit about the life of Fanny Crosby? Oh, I'm glad to. She was born in the 1800s in New York, and when she was only six weeks old, she had a problem with her eyes, and the regular doctor was gone, and so her parents found a traveling doctor who put some kind of hot poultice on her eyes that effectively blinded her. So from six weeks old, she was effectively blinded. She could maybe see shades um, of light and darkness, but, but, but that was it. So she went to the New York School of the Blind. She also learned vast portions of the Bible by heart. And when she was in her 40s, she was wonderfully converted. And she began writing these songs. And her memory was so phenomenal that she would maybe write 10 or 15 songs at a time. She would go into her publisher's office in New York. They would have 15 stenographers there. Fanny would give the first line of the first hymn to the first stenographer, the first line of the second hymn to the second stenographer, the first line of the third hymn to the third stenographer, and go all the way through, and then go back and give the second line of the first hymn to the first stenographer. And she had the mental ability to keep all of that organized, and in that way, she gave the world her hymns. Well, she would sometimes simply write them on the spur of the moment. She would have sudden inspiration. Other times, she would labor a little bit longer over them. But all the time that she was doing it, she was living in lower Manhattan and working in the rescue mission. In fact, that was what inspired her song, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying. And she loved working in the rescue missions. And she lived to be very old. She always traveled alone despite being blind. She was the third most famous Christian in America in her lifetime after D.L. Moody and Iris Sankey, and we have been singing her songs ever since. All the way my Savior leads me, I remember because in college, I was a junior, I was at graduation, the seniors were graduating, 
and they were sitting in the seats in front of me, and at a given moment, they all stood up, turned around and faced the audience, and the graduating class sang that song, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. And from that moment, I have just cherished that as one of the great hymns of guidance. There are several great hymns of guidance, you know, Charles, the the Welch hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, the German hymn, If Thou But Suffer God to Guide Thee. There's a gospel song, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought. I love the wonderful hymns that remind us of God's guidance over our lives. That's Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, by our very own Haven Quartet. And we're talking with Rob Morgan, author of Then Sings My Soul, which shares the backstory of so many famous hymns. Rob, I find it incredible that you are not only a great preacher, but you know so much about these hymns of our faith. Many pastors can't even carry a tune, and yet you have this sense of music, can you? I wonder if it's because you live in Nashville, which has been the home of Christian music for so many years. How many hymns in all did you write about in your book? Well, Then Sings My Soul has 150 songs, favorite hymns. We have on one side of the page the words and the music. On the other side, we have the story behind the hymns. Yes, Nashville is Music City. And I will have to tell you, I am not a musician and I cannot sing very well. There was one time, Charles, when I tried to lead a song in church. It was in my first pastorate. I was pretty young, and the worship leader told me he had to leave before the end of the service. Could I lead in the closing hymn? And it was, I said, what is it? He said, break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. I said, yes, I can lead that song. I know it very well. So I got to the end of the service, and I said, now let's all stand, and I'm going to lead you and break thou the bread of life. Well, I don't know what happened. We all got on the wrong note. We got on the wrong words. We got on the wrong stanzas. We got halfway through the first verse and just stopped. And we all looked at each other. And I didn't know what to do. So I said, well, I said, let's have the benediction. And I pronounced the benediction. That was my first and last time ever trying to lead a hymn in church. I love, I love singing them privately and listening to them. I can completely relate to that, Rob. And having sung many of these hymns by myself, I have to say they really do minister to us. One of the church fathers said that when you sing a hymn, it's a double blessing. It's like you're singing the words to yourself and then to heaven. So it becomes a double prayer. Talk to me a little bit, Rob, about this idea of music being a way to communicate with our Heavenly Father as well as our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, apart from the Scripture, it's the great hymns of the faith that give us our greatest resource for biblical meditation. A good hymn, Charles, 
is a miniature Bible study set to music. I mean, that's what it is. It's a miniature Bible study set to music. And so when we memorize a hymn, like Have Firm a Foundation or Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, Early in the Morning My Song Shall Rise to Thee, when we sing it enough so that we come to know it and we can memorize hymns easier than we can memorize Scripture because they're musical and they rhyme and they have rhythm and they get into our system a little bit easier, then we are singing to ourselves and to our Lord and to other people Bible content, Bible studies. And when I'm on a plane, for example, and I'm tired and I'm not tired enough to go to sleep, but my eyes are weary, I can lean over against the side of the plane, close my eyes, and I can, quote, memorize Scripture to myself, but I can also open up the internal hymn book in my brain and sing song after song after song. And those hymns give me so much comfort in the middle of the night if I wake up, then I can just open up my mental hymn book and I can hear the choirs singing as I go through, O Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, how great thou art. So this is a wonderful therapy for us. It is a spiritual grace that God has given to us, the body of our hymnody, all of the great hymns that have been collected. Now, there are thousands upon thousands of them, but there's maybe two or three hundred that are well known in the church, or at least have been until recently, that we need to preserve. And knowing a good handful of those in our heart is the greatest therapy we can have apart from the Word of God itself. Amen. That's great. Rob, before we have to go, I want to hear another one of your favorite hymns. Pick one for me and share a story connected with it, please. Well, my wife Katrina battled multiple sclerosis, and not long before her death, about a month, we entertained a group of German musicians who had come from Germany, and they were studying hymnody, and they wanted to meet with me, and they came to our home, and I catered the meal for them, and then we went upstairs to our living room, they all gathered around, and we talked about the great hymns and about the German influence of our hymnody. And they sang for us. They sang in German. And my wife, Katrina, this is really just about the last good night of her life. After this, she went down very quickly. But she just soaked it all up. And I told Johannes Schroeder, my friend who was the head of the group, I said, Johannes, our favorite German hymn, is praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. And he said, well, we'll sing that for you. And I got out my phone and videotaped it, and they sang that wonderful hymn to us in German. And at the end of my videotape, sort of pan over to Katrina, she is all smiles, just nodding and listening and soaking it up. It's as though the Lord sent her a choir from Germany on the last good night of her life. And not long after that, she passed away. But I can still, every time I hear, praise ye the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, I think of that wonderful night when the Lord sent us a choir from Germany to sing that to Katrina almost as a benediction for her life. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. 
sample of the hymn Rob Morgan was talking with us about, Praise Ye the Lord, the Almighty, the King of Creation, by Sarah Groves. And Rob, what a story you just shared with us about your wife and this hymn the German choir sang for her just before her homegoing. Rob, would you lead us in prayer that we could worship the Lord in His beauty, in His holiness, no matter our circumstances? I certainly will. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of song. Whether we're musicians or not, whether we can sing with a great voice or not, we can have a melody in our heart, like the old gospel song that says, in my heart there rings a melody. We know that as we sing your praises, we enter your presence. We know that as we sing our thanksgiving to you, our own hearts are lifted up and our spirits are brightened. We know that we can pray through song, that we can ask for your guidance, we can ask for your blessings. We know that we can say, O Lord, revive us again. So, Father, may every one of us listening make better use of the gifts of the music that you've given to us, the great Christian hymns that have come down through the ages. May we sing our praise to you, and we ask that in the process you will be glorified and honored is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rob Morgan, thank you so much for being on the program with me again today. I deeply appreciate you taking the time in between your travels to join me. Thank you, brother. You're welcome, Charles. You let me know when you're this way. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Great Stories with Charles Morris. I'm so glad Robert Morgan could join me. And if you enjoyed this conversation, then you can also listen to my previous interview with Rob last fall that we recorded at his home in Tennessee, in Nashville. It was the 101st episode of this podcast covering Exodus 14 and Robert's book, The Red Sea Rules. Now, for more episodes like this, you can subscribe wherever you hear your podcasts And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you once again for joining me on Great Stories with Charles Morris. 